Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse number 10. We're just going to read one verse, then we'll pray, and then we'll jump into all the stuff we got to look at tonight. So verse 10, we read it the first week, but it kind of thrust us in for like the uh, remainder of the material. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. See that first phrase? That's been the thrust for these three weeks, and I wish we had more time because there's a lot more that we could unpack in three more weeks discussing spiritual disciplines. But Paul writes this very simple truth, this very simple passion. He says, that I may know him. And I ask you the first week, so some of you that might not have been here, there are some new faces from week two and three. Paul, in this time of life, is writing from jail, but he has, I mean, he's been growing in Christ. He's been saved for X amount of years. He's been doing the Lord's will in his life. And so Paul still writes, that I may know him. And so what Paul is saying is, we said it the first week, I've not arrived. So every single day of my life, I'm striving to know Jesus that much more. And really, that has been the heartbeat of spiritual disciplines, that we might know him, that we might be made conformable unto his death. Really, what we're after, and we'll kind of wrap it up with this tonight, is to be conformed to be like Christ. I said it every week, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God to make us like the Son of God. That is spiritual disciplines. That is spiritual growth. Every day, we're inching closer to knowing Christ on a deeper level. So we've been looking at these disciplines. The first week, I asked you to pray. I kind of gave you homework for those two weeks to pray and seek the Lord and ask Him to reveal any kind of wickedness in you, in me, that we can confess, that could plug us into Christ and we could grow more effectively for Him. Then we looked at growth takes time. This is not a one-step process. So today you're a babe in Christ and tomorrow Monday morning you are a mature believer in Christ where you are, you know, buffing the, in, in spiritually. It's not the process. It's slow. It's ongoing. It's day by day, step by step. Last week we looked at this struggle within all of us and how when you go to read your Bible, your mind is pulled here, your mind is pulled there. You go to pray, you think about all these things that you hadn't thought about in three years. And we talked about there's a fight on the inside of us and it's warring. It's like a tug of war. It's our flesh and it's our spirit that's fighting with each other. And so then last week we looked at, got kind of practical, and just looked at how I study a passage of Scripture. And so that's what those handouts are, if you didn't get all the small words on the screen last week. And it was really just three simple steps. It was observation, interpretation, and application. Three simple steps that can be used in many different ways so that we can more effectively study our Bible and ultimately know Christ on a deeper level, like Paul is talking about in Philippians 3, chapter 10. Now, tonight... We're going to look, I'm going to pick up where I left off last week, looking at more stuff about studying the Bible, and then we're going to go into prayer as a spiritual discipline. But I wanted to make that quote, I don't know if we put it on the screen, we did not. All right, so the screen, I've read this quote every week. Spiritual disciplines are like the wires that connect us to the power of the gospel. They have no power in themselves, but they connect us to the place from which the power flows. They are the gateways to the gospel, but not the gospel itself. And so if you know Christ, kind of to sum up before I send you on your way, if you know Christ... These daily, routine, spiritual disciplines connect you to the power of the gospel. And it's something that every believer, no matter young nor old, they need to be implementing every day of their life is these spiritual disciplines in their life. So, pick up kind of where we left off last week. I was going to get to this last week, but I talked too long. That's my fault. So, look at number one. Bible study should refresh. 
As kind of just picking up last week, and I'm going to give a couple more practical thoughts, and then we'll get into prayer. Bible study should refresh. One of my professors in undergrad, his name was Kerry Schmidt, and Kerry Schmidt worked for a very large, growing church in California for 22 years of his life. It was uh, Paul Chapel's church out there in California. He, I think he was his youth pastor, then he was his associate pastor. And Kerry, he told this in our class, he wrote this in a book, and I was listening to a podcast this week, and he shared this story again. Kerry was content being in California. I mean, it was a growing ministry. It was a large church. It financially took care of him and his three kids, and everything just seemed to be working well in California. Well, God called him to move from California a year after he had cancer. He moved from California to Connecticut to pastor a church that used to be large, but was really, it was dying. I think they had maybe 60 members, and it was a church that maybe would seat 800. And so really, it had a school connected to it. It was just, he said, when I walked into the building to do my trial sermon, it smelled like mold, smelled like mildew, and he said, honestly, I did not want to be there. He said, but God conformed my heart, and God said, this is where you're going to pastor. God's going to, I'm going to do a great work here. Just obey and go there. So he picked up his family. He moved them across the United States to Connecticut to pastor Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newington, Connecticut. And he said, there was no other staff. It was just me. And he said, every single day, five days a week, instead of going to the church office because it was so nasty, I would go to the local Dunkin' Donuts. And he said, I would sit in Dunkin' Donuts every day from about 8.30 to about 1 p.m. And he said, that was supposed to be my study time, my work, my church time. And he said, for the first two hours, I would just mope. He said, I'd be like, man. What is God going to do with this place? I don't want to be here. I don't want to live like this. I want to go back to California where it's warm and there's no humidity. and all. I want to be there. He said, then about an hour and a half into my moping, what I would do is I would open Scripture. I would read the Bible. And he said, no lie, it would refresh me and encourage me to stay on mission to what Christ has called me to do. And I got to think, a lot of times that's us. We get into a period of life we get into a circumstance, we get into something God's called us, or maybe we've walked away from something, or we're doing something that maybe we don't feel particularly comfortable doing, and we omit Scripture from our life, and we live in this constant, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't want to be here, I don't like living like this, this is not what He's called me to do, I can't do this. But a simple, like we looked at last week, Bible study is a necessity in your daily walk with Christ. And what it will do is it will refresh your mind, it will refresh your soul, and it will help you grow closer to Christ. Now, this is a truth that Jesus himself lived by. You remember Matthew chapter 4? Look at this. Jesus is brought up to a mountain. Satan is present, and Satan is tempting Jesus three different times. Now, who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the one that left heaven. He is, we believe he was full deity, so he was fully God. Yet he was God's son, so kind of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all God, but they're not the same. So the Father's not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, but the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. A beautiful triangle you can make on your notes. And so he was God, he is God. So if the Son of God, who is God, who John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Greek word there is logos. He is the Word of God. He is God. If he needs to memorize and study Scripture. This is one of those things preachers say all the time. How much more do we need to study and obey and implement Scripture in our life? If Jesus himself, he did this with prayer also, if Jesus himself thought it was necessary 
for him to look at the Old Testament law. Deuteronomy is the verse that he quoted, a verse out of Deuteronomy, when he was combating Satan with his temptations. If Jesus thought it was necessary to understand, obey, and apply Scripture into his life, how much more for us as sinful mankind? Is it important for us to take what we looked at last week, some of the things we're going to look at tonight, and implement those into our life? Bible reading, listen, it is refreshing, but it also challenges us and helps us fight off the enemy that we talked about last week. We cannot go toe-to-toe with Satan without Scripture and the Spirit working on our behalf. The Bible gives an illustration, a parable. It says, there is a strong man that will enter your life. You cannot defeat the strong man. To the strong man, you are the weak man. But when a stronger man, which is Jesus, enters your equation, the strong man is pulled away and the stronger man takes up residence. That's Jesus and Satan. So we need the word of God just as much. Jesus needed the words of God, so we need the word of God. So now what I want to do, I want to be very practical again for a few thoughts and look at just some simple ways, something that can help you in your Bible study day to day. So number one, something to remember. Remember who is speaking. So remember who is talking in your, when you sit down to study the Bible, when you open Scripture, remember who is talking. Now I understand. And so you could come to me and I could come to you and we could say, Travis, you could say, hey, you just don't understand how busy my week gets. I get it. Your week is busy. All of our weeks are busy. There are things that come into our life that we don't prepare for, things that we have not planned for, and just things pop up. And it seems like if you're a Google Calendar person or you're a calendar on your desk kind of person or you're going to just fly by the seat of your pants and you're like, coming up, or what do I got to do today? Whatever, however you live your life. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm probably the more fly by the seat of my pants type guy. And so things pop up. Things come up and you got a lot going on, a lot of things competing for your attention. What tends to happen in American Christianity, and there's statistics to prove this, is the one thing that seems to be expendable, the one thing that seems that we can remove is daily time in the Word of God. When our life gets busy, when our day gets packed up on each other, we're like, man, I can't take this out. i got to go to this. I've got to be here. I need time to myself. And then all these things start packing up on each other, and something's got to go. Your sleep's got to go, something's got to be pulled away, and it seems like a lot of times it's our daily time in the Word of God and our communication with Him that we say, well, I can can slack on that for today. I'll come back to it tomorrow. Told you the first week, Satan's favorite word is tomorrow, Jesus' favorite word is today. Because if he says, if he gets us to say tomorrow, he can get us to say tomorrow every single day for the rest of our life. If we continue giving Him those victories. However, it's not right for the Bible just to become another mundane task on your to-do list. It should be scheduled. We're going to look at that in a minute. But it should not just be something like going to get groceries. I can do that tomorrow. Reading your Bible should not be just, well, i got to go to the vet, or i got to go take the dog here, i got to go take this person here. It shouldn't be that. Bible reading, daily time in the Word of God, should be one of those tasks on your to-do list that no matter what comes into your life, this is not able to to be moved. You've got to read scripture. So one way to help that is to remember who is the one speaking. So the one that spoke everything into existence. You go back to the beginning of time. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. You go to Genesis 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so you go back to the very beginning. You go to Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible says before the foundation of the world there was a plan that was set in place. That plan was that Jesus would come and die for sinners. So all before everything was created, this God was thinking about you, and here was his thought. I want a relationship with them. 
He looked. He has complete foreknowledge. He looked and said, they're going to sin. Plan was always to go to the cross. It wasn't, oh, Spirit, Jesus, they sin now, so what are we going to do? Well, Jesus, I guess you could go and die. That's not what they said. The plan was from the foundation of the world. Jesus was going to come and die. That was the plan. It was always plan A. There was never plan B, C, or D. It was always Jesus is going to go. But that very God that spoke everything, that very God that breathed into mankind the breath of life, that very God that said, let there be water, and there was water, that very God that said, let there be a light, and they put a sun in the sky, and a moon for the night, and the stars in the sky, the very God that tells the ocean how far to come and not to go past this area, the very God that set the mountains in place, that's the very God that's speaking in Scripture. And so for us to say to this powerful God, for us to say to the Savior of the world, hey, my time with you can be moved, that's dangerous. He has so much power to say, let there be, and it happens. He has so much power in the Gospels to say, winds cease and stop. And guess what? They stopped. His words are powerful. And so when you open Scripture, you're not just reading a history book. You're not just reading good thoughts and good ideas to help you parent your kids or help you live your life. There's tips in there for that, but that's not the purpose of the Bible. The Bible is for us to look at this amazing Savior of the world and for us to dive into the truths of who He is and what He's accomplished for us. And when we understand, when we read Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, it's not just Paul writing this, but it's Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so as Paul wrote with that pen, or maybe his scribe, and he got this word, that I may know him. He got these words, justification by faith alone, and he's pinning all of this down. It's God speaking through man. And so when we want to get to that, and we all, we're all there. It's not, I remember I said the first week, it's not me chunking you know, rocks at you saying, do better. It's not that. It's saying this is simple truths that I'm trying to discover myself that can help us all grow. When our life gets so busy that we want to omit Scripture, Satan is winning. And in those moments where we say, well, what should I give up today? Remember, out of everything you will do in your day, there are some things I get you can't move. You got a job to go to. You got kids to parent. You got to take people to place. You got all these things to do. You got school to do. But remember who is speaking to you through the Bible. There are 66 books of inspired truth. And his plan for you and for me is to know him through this book. He has not chosen, and we wish, we wish, man, on on a night he would come and he'd sit back on the bed with us and say, okay, so Travis, what'd you do today? How was your day? Okay, here's what you're going to do tomorrow. You're going to find a guy, Carly sees, and you're going to witness to him in the cashier line. We wish that would happen, but it doesn't. It's not some reading, people, there's some people that believe this, I don't, so if you do, I'm sorry. You're eating your Cheerios, your Oreo, your your Fruit Loops in the morning, and spelled out in the Fruit Loops, this is what you'll do today. If that's ever happened to you, let's chat, because that's never happened to me. It's not how he speaks. The one that is speaking, the one that created the world, the one that said, I love them so much, I'll die for them. He wrote this book for us. So when we want to remove it we got to remember who is speaking number two on practicality we must have the right posture we must have the right posture if you want to flip there you can go to Isaiah 66 but I'll read the verse if you don't want to flip Isaiah 66 verse 2 says for all those things hath mine hand made and for all those things have been have been saith the Lord but to this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word You read all through the scriptures. 
I mean, we could find verse after verse after verse that reveals this truth to us. He works with the humble and he resisteth the prideful. You find it in James, you find it all through the New Testament. You find one thing that God, God cannot tolerate pride. See it in the Old Testament. It's one thing he cannot tolerate. He gives grace to the humble, but he resisteth those that are prideful. And a lot of times when we come to our Bible reading, when we come to our time in the Word of God, we're forgetting who's speaking to us, and we come to it with the wrong posture. Because God that is speaking, we should always, without question, approach Scripture with a sense of awe, with a sense of submission, with a sense of dependence upon the Word of God. Every time you open the Bible, wow, how good He is. Look how forgiving he is. Look how strong he is. He's a great God. We should approach the Bible with a sense of awe. We should approach the Bible with a sense of submission. Wow. I've not given God this, this aspect of my life. There's part of my heart that I've refused for 50 years to give him. But when I come to the Bible, if he says give, I'm just going to say okay. Come to the Bible with a sense of awe. You come to the Bible with a sense of submission. Come to the Bible with a sense of dependence. I've got to depend on these words for my life. Just like you depend on water and you depend on bread and you depend on food every single day to sustain your life. Your dependence, your spiritual dependence should be thrown all over this book. You depend on it with your life. You depend on the words that it says and the promises that it gives with everything that you have because it is truth. John chapter 8 says, what it gives us this picture, what is truth? His word is truth. The word of God is true. What is a source of complete truth? Whatever God's word says on the matter. That is absolute truth. One of the mistakes that I used to make when I was learning to preach, and I was, there's a lot, I mean, if you heard me one of my first couple of times to preach, my first one, I, my, this one preacher said, Travis, there's this phenomenal notes app that you've got to use. It's called Evernote. This little app, it'll go from your cell phone to your iPad to your laptop. And man, it'll just seamlessly connect everything together. I said, okay, but I'm preaching in, in, behind, like in the woods for my first sermon. I said, so does it work without service? Absolutely, it works without service. So I get behind this pulpit, like 30, 40 people in attendance. I pull up my phone, go to Evernote, it says, service required, no network. Oh, this is great. Here I am, never spoke in front of people. I skipped English class. So I didn't have to do this. Now here I'm willingly doing this. And I'm trying my best to figure out what to say. The Lord was with us. I preached all of eight minutes. You know, the Lord really, yeah, anyways, brought us a long way. So when I was trying to learn to preach, I quickly learned that I was wrong in this. I would try to take a passage of Scripture. I did it with my first sermon. And I would take a thought that I had and try to find a passage of Scripture to adapt to that thought. That's not the right way to preach. It's not the right way to study the Bible. So if we come to the Bible saying, okay, here's my own idea. Here's my own philosophy. Here's my own method. Here's my own way of life. And I'm going to try to find a verse to fit this way of life for me. So what you're trying to say is, I want my, the Bible to conform to my life instead of my life to conform to the Bible. That's wrong. That's the wrong posture. That's not coming to Scripture saying, okay, Lord, I'm in awe of you. I'm submitting to you. I'm depending upon you. We should never let, I should as a pastor, never let the Word of God We'll never let my thoughts dictate what the Word says. I should always let the Word of God dictate what I say. That's why on Wednesday nights I preach through books of the Bible. And when I preach through books of the Bible, I tell them often, I say, hey, what I'm about to say, here's the verse about what I'm saying. 
I want them to always know, the teenagers to always know, wherever I preach, I want them to always know. I preached camp a couple weeks ago, and I said that every time, morning and night. So keep your Bible open, because what I'm about to say, here's where I'm getting it from, so that you know I'm not just making this up. It's not my ideas. It's not my thoughts. It's God's thoughts. It's God the one speaking, God the one ministering, God the one working. And so we have to come to the Bible with this right attitude, all submission and dependence. So we should never, we should always, every time, come to the Bible as a humble servant, saying, Lord, what are you trying to teach me today? How are you working in my life from this passage today? We should never say, God, here's what I need. Now you tell me this to confirm this in my life. You should never say that. You should never come to the Bible, God, here's what I need you to tell me today. So I'm going to open to the right place, and God needs you to confirm that. To, it's not, I used to do this all the time, Google, what does the Bible say about? You, know, you get Bible Hub or whatever it is, and you pop that up. I'm like, okay, this is great. There's the verse that kind of confirms that. But what we're doing is, what I was doing at least, is last week I told you, observe, interpret, apply. I was omitting interpretation. I was trying to make this verse, it's kind of like you see all these NBA players, they've got Philippians on their shoes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The verse is not talking about you can kick a winning field goal. The verse is not talking about you'll get a winning slam dunk. It's not talking about that. It's talking about being content in Christ. But if we just take the verse out of, out of context and put it to whatever we want to put it to, you know, we can make it fit anything. It's the wrong posture. So what do we say then? What can I find in Scripture today that commands my life to change? That's the right posture. What is my daily Bible study today commanding me to change in my life? What we should say, God, what do you want to tell me today? Not God, here's what I want you to tell me. God, what do you want to tell me today? We should also say, God, is there something in this passage that I need to forsake in my life? Am I living a certain way that's in contradiction to Scripture? Is there something that I need to forsake? Is there something I need to thank Jesus for? Wow, look how good you are in all. Wow, you are so good. I, told, I taught the Bible, Bible school this past uh, year, Acts Prayer Time, a simple way for kids to learn how to pray. A-C-T-S. A is adoration. C is confession. T is thanksgiving. S is supplication. You adore God. Wow, look how good you are. You confess, God, I'm a sinner. You thank him, God, thank you for your supplication. God, I need. Simple way. But you start with God. I'm in awe of who you are. So our posture's got to be right. Now, very practical. Oh, that's the verse I read. You've got to make a plan for reading the Bible. Now, some people are like, I'm just going to, I'll go ahead and get, this was one of my issues when I started studying the Bible for myself. I was the flip and point kind of Bible study guy. So I'd be like, all right, Lord, I don't know where to read today. I don't know what to read. I don't know how to read. So here's what I'm going to do. Speak. And, all right, today I'm in Daniel 7, verse 14. See what God's got to say to me from that. And I did that. And over and over, I'm, I kept telling people, I'm, like mentors and people that were discipling, I'm just not getting anything. I'm reading, sure. Just not, I'm just not learning. And so one day I was in Daniel 7, the next day here I go. So I'm in Micah. All right, cool. And so I would read that chapter. And what I was doing, I was never reading chapter 1 of the book, and I was never reading the last chapter of the book. I was reading somewhere in the middle, pulling something out of context that I had no idea what it truly meant. And so one of my biggest fears when I started preaching was, what will I preach? That's always just been such a fear of mine is, Will I preach the right text at the right time? And so what I would do is when I would study the Bible, I would spend more time trying to figure out which passage to study than actually studying the Bible. So there I'd be. What does the Bible say about? Well, that kind of makes sense. I'd flip this passage. Well, I like this passage. And I'd go here and I'd go there. 
that's never how we are to approach Scripture. H.B. Charles said this, your study time, this goes for the preacher for the layman, your study time is already limited. You don't have time to figure out what to study each week. Your study time should be spent studying the text, not finding a text to study. So if we take, I mean, your days are, your, your time in your day is limited. Christian and I often say, we need more time in the day. I mean, just so much that has to be done on certain days, and it seems like we're getting home at midnight every night and trying to fit all this in. Your study time is already limited. Your time in your day is already limited. And so what I learned early on, I read H.B. Charles's book. It's called H.B. Charles on Preaching. Phenomenal book for anybody looking to teach or preach. It has some great, some great truth there. But he made this statement. Your study time is already limited. You don't have time to figure out what to study in your study time. So have a plan already set in place that when I come and open my Bible this morning before work, I know exactly where I'm going to read. Now, if you're in a D group, that's already kind of set for you. Read five chapters in the Bible a week, Old and New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, wherever you're at, that's already set. But if you don't, it's okay, but you got to have a plan. It's very practical. you got to have a plan for how to study the Bible. This could mean you're following a Bible plan and you're reading through the entire Bible in a year. And one guy said, if you read five pages in the Bible a day, you'll read the Bible in a whole year. That's great. You, gotta, you just got to have a plan for where you're going to pick up and where you're going to end every time you come to the Bible. And so what we have to gradually learn is, if we're just going to be the point and flip kind of Bible studiers, we're going to miss a lot of great truth. And so if we come to the Bible, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the whole week, here's my plan for that up front. Today, this month, I'm reading, you know, Proverbs, 31 Proverbs, 31 days. Okay, next month, I'm going to read Ephesians. Next week, I'm going to read Philippians. And so, you have a clear plan that way. And what I would recommend and is read through a book of the Bible systematically. So, what's that mean? I mean, start in chapter 1, verse 1, and end with the last chapter, the last verse. Don't do what I did for years of my life, just going from Daniel chapter 7 to Micah chapter 2 to Mark chapter 4, just flipping around every single day, because what ends up happening is you miss, in, from Genesis 1 to Revelation, there is a seamless thread that goes through every verse, every word, every line, everything. That seamless thread is the redemptive narrative of Scripture. And so from Genesis 1-1 to the last page of Revelation, what's happening is Jesus' story is being unfolded. You're seeing it from the sin in Genesis 3. You're seeing it from the lamb in Exodus. You're seeing it from the prophecy and the prophets in the Old Testament. You're seeing it from his birth in the Gospels. You're seeing it from his death at the end of the Gospels, from his resurrection to his ascension in Acts. You're seeing it from the church being built in Acts. You're seeing it from the epistles as they write to these churches, how to live that out. And so if we don't read the Bible a book at a time, we're missing that. We see here where you know, God condemns something in the Old Testament, then we go here and God is doing this. And so... The whole Bible fits together like it's like a perfect puzzle. What he said would happen has happened. His word is perfect. His word is seamless. But if we just go one day in Daniel 7 verse 14 and one day Mark chapter 3 verse 4 and we're missing that thread. So have a plan. Have a clear plan. For tomorrow when I open scripture, here's where I'm going to be. And if teenagers, they ask me, I had some at camp, say, hey, what should I read in the Bible? Say, so start with one of the Gospels. I love the Gospel of John. We're preaching through it on Sunday mornings. The Gospel of John is phenomenal. Pick a Gospel, read through that word for word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Then go to an epistle, one of my favorite books. Read, read Ephesians. Man, that chapter 1 through 3 teaches you who you are in Christ. Chapters 4 through 6 teaches you what you do in Christ. So once you get the Gospel, now you get here's some living, here's some truth to apply the Gospel to my life. Just go from book to book. Read the whole New Testament in order. 
or go from a gospel to an epistle, to a gospel to an epistle. Just have a plan. That's all I'm saying. Have a plan for how you read, when you read, and what you read in your Bible because it will help you tremendously. It'll help you tremendously. When I learned to read the Bible that way and really preach the Bible that way, I felt like I was connecting to Scripture on a deeper level, more so than I ever had before in my entire life. Reading the Bible systematically, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, day by day. And listen, there's some people that advocate for, and I'm not throwing rocks at this, there are people that advocate for you know, reading the whole Bible in six months or a year. That's fantastic. If you can read the Bible in six months or a year and you can get truth out of that, you can cram that much in, that's great. But if you're coming out of that plan exhausted and not understanding one thing that you have just read, what's it for? What Paul say in Philippians 3.10? That I may know him. So if we're just, okay, I got to get through this today. I got to get through five chapters today, five pages today, because my plan said, you know, that little plan I'm following on Facebook with all these girls, it said I got to get through this many chapters today. So no matter what I learn, what I read, I just got to get through it. If that's our thought, we're not going to grow like Paul is telling, he wants to grow in Philippians chapter 3. So what I've recommended to people that come to me with that, I'm just reading so much. Travis, I read three chapters last night. That's great. What did you learn? I don't know. Said something about, you know, Jesus and something about justification. I don't know what any of that means. Like, hey, well, slow down. Slow down. When I told you guys we got challenged when I was in youth group, probably 7th or 8th grade, to read the Gospel of Luke. I highlighted every verse in Luke, so I just flew right through it. That whole gospel is blue in that old brown Master's Club Bible that I still have. It's not about, it's not a race. One guy said, I don't know if we put it on the screen. No, we didn't. One, one guy said, picture your Bible study as a marathon, not a sprint. So it's not something you've got to sprint through and look at what I, look, I read, put on Facebook. I read the whole gospel of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John before I went to work this morning. What would you do? Yeah, that's not what it's about. It's about, hey, I might have read three verses today. But in those three verses, I understood something about Jesus. I stood in awe of him. I submitted to him, and I'm depending upon that. That's more important and more profitable in your spiritual journey than reading the whole Bible in one sitting because you're growing thereby. Now, I'm not saying don't read the Bible altogether in a year. That can be fantastic. But if you're not understanding, learning, and applying, and observing, interpreting, and applying it to your life, slow down. Take a breath, come back to it, and read in smaller increments. All right, lastly, I think this is on the last one for the Bible study. Stick with it. Stick with it. One guy said, and that's what I was just said, think of the Bible study more like a marathon than a sprint. Got a little, let's not there either. Think of your Bible study as a marathon than a sprint. Some days you will open scripture and you will gain fresh insight. And you're like, wow, I never knew that. And I love it when people come to me and say, hey, Travis, I was reading my Bible and I learned this for the first time. That's just it's an amazing thing to hear. It's an amazing thing to feel. It's, wow, I've never seen it that way. That's why I said last week in the observation, read it more than once. Because you're going to see something the first time that you didn't see the second time. You're going to see something the second time that you didn't see the first time. And so read it more than once. But man, when I stick with it and I'm reading and I'm studying, sometimes you're going to come away and you're going to be like, wow, I learned something new today. I read that about Jesus. I understood that concept a little differently than I used to, used to could. Sometimes you're going to come away from Scripture and you're going to have questions. Well, what's actually happening? And that's when you, like last week, you consult some of those outside sources. You call somebody. You ask the question that needs to be asked for that passage of Scripture to get that question. And sometimes you're going to walk away from Scripture challenged. Man, I've not been living that way. I should be living that way. It'll change from day to day. It's like growth will change from day to day. Just like your kids growing up, those of you that are parents, 
You never say, man, you had a great day of growth today. I measured you, you grew like, you know, a tenth of an inch today. Look at you. But you look back at a picture from last year to this year and you're like, wow, you really grew. You know, you really sprouted. You don't celebrate the daily growth, but you really can celebrate the yearly growth. And the 10-year growth, now they're 18, and you're looking back, where did the time go? You didn't celebrate it in the day. Wow, look how much you've grown today. But you look back over 18, you're like, man, how did it go that fast? That's spiritual growth. Every day you might not realize it, but if you're sticking with the process that Jesus has given us, every day, slowly but surely, you will grow in your Bible reading. There will be days where you say, I'm so frustrated. I'm just giving up with it. No, no. Stick with it. Even when it's hard, even when you come to a verse that you just might not understand, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. All right, so that's the Bible study. Wrapping up, and we got 24 minutes to get through prayer, and I believe that we will. All right, prayer is a discipline. So if you have any questions about anything that I've talked about with the Bible study aspect last week, this week, ask me. I would love to answer that question. Ideally, more time would be phenomenal, but uh, we're splitting up. So, all right, prayer is a discipline. Now, I got a question. How do you get to know somebody? How do you get to know them? It takes time to develop any relationship, just like spouses, with your, you know, wives with your husbands, husbands with your wives. You didn't just meet them one day in ninth grade and say, hey, you want to marry me tomorrow? It didn't work that way. It was a long process of talking and communicating and sharing and getting to know each other and arguing with each other and all these things that go into truly getting to know someone. You must spend time with a person to get to know a person. So if I was back in Philippians 3, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. What's Paul saying? So if you look at that verse, it gives you three things that he's talking about. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What does that mean? He said, there's a power beyond my power that I've got to tap into. And that resurrection power, when it flows through me through the gospel, I'm able to do things that I could not do in myself because Christ is working through me. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And it says, being made conformable unto his death. What's that talking about? Talking about his heart. That now my heart is being knitted to Jesus' heart. And that now I have this heartbeat for the lost like Jesus on the cross had a heartbeat for the lost. And it says, fellowship of his sufferings. What is that? Paul's saying through all these little things, these three, this three-step process, I'm getting to know Jesus. Through suffering, I'm going through this. I mean, he's in prison when he writes Philippians. I'm suffering, but Jesus suffered for me so I can suffer for him. And we're closer when we're both fellowshipping in those sufferings than we are if I were not in that suffering. So Paul writes that I may know him. But you know what that means? Paul had to get real and had to communicate with God on a personal level. You cannot just get to know someone based off of their Facebook profile. You can't get to truly know someone just off what someone tells you about someone else. So if you come to someone and say, hey, I want to know that person. All right, well, hey, he works at, you know, the Quick Check, and he's been there for 22 years. Great guy, great guy. You know him now? No. You know, it, so that's true with us. You can't just come to church on Sunday mornings and expect the pastor to tell you all there is to know about God. You gotta, that's important. The pastor's job is tremendously important. But if that's all we're learning about God, we're not truly knowing God. So we've got to have the Bible study, but we also got to have this communication with him on a daily level. So is true with our relationship with God. If we're going to go to a deeper knowledge of who he is, 
if we're going to go to new lengths and growth in our relationship with Jesus, it requires the right communication. We can't just expect to wake up one morning and know all these truths about God. Yeah, maybe we're in Scripture, but if we're omitting prayer, we're still not growing like we should. And we need to be aware that we as believers in Jesus are commanded to pray. Jesus said to his disciples, you remember the story. He's going to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he looks at his disciples, specifically Peter, and he says, hey, Peter, what's he say? Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Satan desires to have you that he may sift you like wheat. So he's giving him a command. Hey, Peter, watch, be alert, be vigilant, and pray. Communicate. Now, I said it with Bible reading. Jesus learned the scriptures. What did Jesus often do? He went away. He sought the Father. He was seeking the Father's will. Through what? Communication. What communication? Prayer. Jesus was an advocate of prayer. And so, I'll say it again. If the Son of God, who is God, thought it was necessary to communicate with His Father through prayer, how much more do we as sinful individuals need to communicate with our Heavenly Father through the method of prayer? It's important. We can't grow if we're not in the Bible, and we can't grow if we're not in the Scripture. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Famous verse is quoted with praying all the time. But you know what's beautiful about that verse? That we, a bunch of wicked sinners, now through Jesus have the ability to even approach his throne. You realize that's a New Testament promise? Old Testament saints, they could not approach his throne freely like that. There was a sacrificial system. There was a way they had to go and offer a sacrifice, and then they could pray. Then they could commune with God. It wasn't 24-7 access like it is for us. And so now we have this command that we are to watch and pray, but now we have this command and promise that we can enter every single day His throne of grace. And you know what it says? There we can obtain mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. We as sinful individuals can approach the throne of grace 24-7 every single day of the week. doesn't matter where we are, who we are, what part of the world we're in, we can say, Lord, and if we've confessed our sin, he's, my child is talking to me. My child wants my ear. And out of the millions of Christians that can be praying at the same time, he is such an amazing God. That's why we should go to our Bible study and all of him. He is such an amazing God that he can listen to all these millions of people. But yet in Bennett, North Carolina, he can still give his ear to you. And somebody in Thailand, might, he might have his ear to them. But he's listening to us at the same time. He's working and he's hearing our prayers and we're communing with him. Prayer is a vital spiritual discipline in our life. And so again, I'm going to give you, just like the Bible study, some practical thoughts about prayer. Some are biblical and some are just practical that can help us grow in prayer. So we are to pray continually. That is a Bible principle that we're to do every single day of our life. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. You know what that verse means? Pray continually. Don't stop. Let it be a constant pattern and communication of prayer literally the phone is never hung up so it's not I dialed and I talked to him today and now I got to go call him back tonight it's a continual conversation there might be some breaks but the phone calls never hung up you're still continually able to say God I'm listening I'm still there still on the other end I want to communicate with you I want to talk to you I want to know you and so communing with God includes both talking and it includes listening there's a time in your prayer life where you just sit, you have scripture opened, and you're just letting God speak to you. There's a time in your prayer life where you're talking to God. You're thanking Him. You're adoring Him. You're confessing. 
You're bringing supplications to him. It is an open conversation with God continually. And God wants us to understand that. Uh, Exodus chapter 33, you could flip there, but I'll read the verse. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, the first part says this. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. So there was a time in Moses' life where he argued with God. God, I'm not going to go before Pharaoh. I can't speak. There was a time when Moses was thanking God, a time when Moses was asking things of God. But in Exodus 33, there's a lot going on in the nation of Israel. It says they're talking as a man speaks to his friend. Friend, if I were to ask you, what does your prayer life look like? Is it, well, before, you know, before I go to bed, I ask God this. Or when I'm scared or when I'm fearful, I pray in that, that, that moment. What's your prayer life look like? It should be a continual, open conversation with God, kind of like Moses, talking as if they're best friends. Talking as if the conversation has never ended. They share burdens. They talk between one another. They're learning each other. And God already knows everything there is to know about us. He knows the number of hair on your head. But we don't know everything there is to know about God. So in that relationship, we've got to be open. God, here's what I'm struggling with. God, here's what I'm going through. And far too often, our prayer life is viewed as, I only can pray before bedtime, and I pray when we're having a meal. No, that's not praying without ceasing. We're to pray, I mean, like, something pops up at work, something good. God, thank you for that. It's an open conversation. You said something you shouldn't say. God, forgive me for that. It's an open conversation. It's not where you have to go and find your place. Now, there's a time and a place for the altar. There's a time and a place for the prayer closet. But not every prayer has to be there. You're riding down the road and you have to slam on brakes and you, you, you don't get in the accident. God, thank you for your protection on my life. God, thank you for your provision. Lord, thank you for being good to me. It's an open conversation that we have with God daily. I was talking to a lady the other day, and the conversation just blessed me. We were just talking, and she just kept making this reference. I was talking to God the other day. I was having a conversation with the Lord just yesterday, and she said that over and over and over, and I got to thinking, wow, that's Exodus 33, verse 11. She is talking about her relationship with Jesus. As I would say, I was talking to Bernard yesterday. I was talking to Donald yesterday. That should be how we describe our relationship with God. shouldn't be, you know, my back was against a wall and I needed this financial help and the kids were astray. So then I prayed. I was talking to God yesterday and here's what he revealed to me. It's an open, continual conversation that we're to have with God every single day. So there are various, now we'll get practical. There's, a very, there's various reasons that people often struggle in their prayer life. Some can't concentrate for periods of time and think on these prayer, prayer requests. Some just can't sit for, I'm, I'm the guy, I, can't, I just can't sit still very long. So some can't sit quietly for extended periods of time. Some just have a lack of desire for the Lord. Some have a lack of faith in the effectiveness of prayer. And then there are other reasons. Some know that they need to be praying and understand that. Maybe this is you. There are many things that you know I need to be praying about, but can't seem to get past those same few requests. If you ever hear a kid pray, it's innocent, it's sweet, it's phenomenal, but it's the prayer of a child. God, thank you for my church. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for this food. It's beautiful, not throwing rocks at that. But that's the prayer of a child. That should not be the prayer of a person that's saved 50 years. Our prayer life should develop. Our prayer life should grow. 
So a lot of times we get these same few requests and we go to pray, <clears throat> Lord, thank you for, God, you, you've been good, thank you for salvation, all these things we should do. But there's more to our prayer life than just these same three things that we pray for every single time. So a couple practical things if you're in that mental rut of how to pray. I had it for Bible study, I have it for this one, make a plan. Now you say, Travis, you just told me to pray without ceasing, pray always. Now you're telling me to have a plan to it. These two can work beautifully together. The prayer, the, the chain should never hang up, but there should be a schedule at times when we do pray for longer periods of time. So the phone call's always open when something happens at work. God, thank you for. God, forgive me for. God, I need you here. God, I need wisdom now. But then there should be periods of time in the day where we sit down and this is my dedicated prayer time. So make a plan. I was listening to a guy the other day on a podcast. He has his day so planned out to in his Google calendar he has drink water. This guy, brush teeth, wash clothes, get clothes out of the dryer. Put a, go, on Thursdays are his trash days. So he said on Thursdays at 8 a.m. it goes off, get trash. It's like if, I don't, if it's not in my Google Calendar, he said, I promise you I will not do it. Man, I'm, I don't fly that way. I'm just, I'm, whatever I see, I'm doing. But the truth is with this, with the Bible study and with the prayer life, there ought to be a plan. Psalm 55, I think we have the verse up here. Psalm 55, verse 16 and 17 says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Notice this, he has a plan. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Now, Psalm 55, he's running for his life. Ahithophel, his best friend, has betrayed him, and David finds himself in this lonely season. He says, you know what, what I'm going to do, I want to get closer to God and need his help. He's going to hear my voice. I'm just going to schedule a plan to commune with God. He says, evening, morning, and at noon will I pray. Three simple, three times a day. David said, I'm going to set this aside to when I wake up, I'm talking to God. At noon, if that's his lunch break, if he's you know, out by the Sea of Galilee or Dead Sea or whatever, whatever cave he's hiding in, I'm going to pray. At night before I go to sleep, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I've been running for my life, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to commune with God. That doesn't mean, as you read through the Psalms, David is only praying at morning, at noon, and at night. You find David when he's on the run, and he stops like this in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, God, I need you. Prayer doesn't have to just happen at the scheduled times. It can happen throughout the day, but there should be some type of routine for the long extended prayer. There is something to be said about starting your day in the word and in prayer that can really thrust your whole day into a greater you know, position, into a greater outlook on your day. So King David had a plan. King David prayed spontaneously, but he also prayed in a schedule evening, morning, and at noon. And so the unplanned prayer, the spontaneous prayer, it can consist of many things. It can be just, Lord, thank you for what just happened in my life. Lord, forgive me for what I, the sin I just committed. Uh, Lord, I need strength in this situation to handle this conversation. This was unexpected today. My boss has called a meeting and, Lord, I need your help. That's the unplanned prayer. The planned prayers can be the times that you're very specific with God. When there's no outside distractions, maybe having a cup of coffee, you're eating your breakfast, you have the scriptures open, and you're communing with God. And you have a very specific thing. So take that time to praise and thank God always. Never enter prayer time without praising and thanking God. Use that time to confess sin. Use that time to intercede on behalf of a family member or a church member. And you'll see our prayer request list. It's lengthy. There's a lot of sick, there's a lot of cancer in our church and in our community. We can use our specific prayer time to intercede on their behalf. Lord, help them. Use it to pray for salvation of unbelievers, your family or at work. Use it to pray for encouragement for your church 
Encouragement for your friends in the faith. Use it to pray for your church. Use that time, whatever it is. It don't have to be any of those. But use that specific planned prayer time to be very specific with God. How often we neglect important aspects of prayer simply because we've forgotten to pray for them. That's true. I mean, if I'm preaching, and I, I usually don't like looking at notes, but when I've got so much to say tonight, I have to. But if I'm preaching and I look down, I'm like, oh, I forgot to say that. So it's true with the prayer life. If I go with a list of things I need to pray for, and I don't look at that list, I get up from my prayer, and I think, I prayed for everything. I look down, well, I forgot three things. Without a plan, without a list, I simply forget. So many things that are competing for your attention. So if there are things that you write down that we ought to pray for every single day, you need that list. I'd recommend having a list of name, names. Kenny Baldwin. Many of you know Kenny Baldwin. I love that guy. Phenomenal preacher. He has a list every single morning at 5 a.m. that he prays for. And then he takes it a step further. He texts that person and says, hey, I prayed for you today, and here's what I prayed for you. So, like, I thought it would be like this automated text where Kenny Baldwin just sends out this automated thing. Hey, man, pray for you today. But, no, it's different every single day for a list of tens to 50 people. Hey, I prayed for you today that you would have strength in this situation. He has a list. So he don't forget them. And the certain days of the week he prays for this list, certain days of the week he prays for this list, and that if he didn't have that list, he would forget the names to pray for. So not everything has to be prayed for at once. That's why David, morning, noon, and night. You can have different things you pray for here, different things you pray for here, different things you pray for here, but the purpose is you're communing with God, you're getting to know God, you're having a conversation with God. All right, we're moving quickly, hopefully. Be specific. We'll go quick here. Be specific. Someone, we pulled over one time, Christian and I were going to look at some Christmas lights with some friends. And we pulled over because we had no idea where we were going. We're in Charlotte. And this guy says, yeah, you just turn up there. And you look at that light and you go up there and hang a left, hang a right, and you'll be there. What? I need road names. Now, I know that might work for Bennett. You go down there and you pass the, the RTMC sign. You're almost in Bennett. And you'll veer off there and you'll see Buddy Ruth's right there on your left. And you can go on down that road to get to the caution light and you'll make yourself to Salar City. Now, we might can talk like that and understand where we're going in Bennett with no stoplights. But in Charlotte, where's up our? You know, where, where are we going? And so Mel Butler, I don't think she's in here. She took a video of this guy giving his directions for how to get where we were going. We cackled as hard as we could cackle. But she's sitting here videoing that guy. And he's like, you'll go up there, but, you know, seven-tenths of a mile. You'll turn left. Okay, okay. And she's just videoing part of it. It's hilarious. You have to ask her about it. But that don't work. I needed him to be specific. Give me a road name. That's why I, I, we go to camp in the morning. What will be first thing? I will turn on my GPS, and I will follow that thing with my life. Because I have no idea. People say you go up I-40 and you get to here. I don't know where that's at. I'm following the GPS. And if the GPS says veer, I veer. If it says left, I left. If it says right, I right. And I'll hopefully end up at the wilds tomorrow. That's my plan. In our prayer life, it can be like that also. Hey, God, I need you to help me here. God, while you're at it, could you help this person? Oh, God, thank you. You know, just thank you. We need to be specific. We need to be very specific in our prayer life. That's the point. We need to be not just beating around the bush saying, God, you know what I mean. He does. But he wants you to be specific. The Holy Spirit, Romans 8 says, he intercedes for us when we don't know the words to say. That's not what I'm talking about. There are times when you come to your prayer life and all you have is tears. And God says, hey, I understand those tears. The Holy Spirit will bottle those tears up, use them as a language that I kill, give to the Father. That's not what I'm talking about. Saying, hey, instead of just praying for Lord, save the lost. Say, hey, Lord, save Joe at work. Lord, do a work in Joe. He needs you. Instead of just praying, Lord, be with the sick on our prayer request list. Lord, help Todd Daniel. 
God, he's sick. He's been going through it. God, be with him. You know, help Bradley Garner and his help, help these guys that are on the prayer because they're going through cancer. Call them out by name. Give their name. Be specific. Ask God for wisdom. God, I need your help. Okay, but what in what? Hey, God, I got this situation at work today. I got a, I got a meeting. You know, I got a phone call that I don't want to have. So, God, I need your wisdom in that phone call today. Teenagers, hey, I got a situation at school. I got, Lord, help me with my friends. So, what friends? Hey, help me with Tyler. You know, Tyler's been saying some things, and I want to help him know the gospel. Be specific in your prayer life, not just beating around the bush. God does know what you mean, what you mean, but ask him specifically for things. In confession, don't just say, forgive me for all of my sin. He has. But say, God, forgive me for that lie I told at work today. God, forgive me for thinking that thought that I should not have thought. Be specific. God, forgive me for saying that word that I should not have said. Be specific in confession. Be specific in praise. You can say, Lord, thank you for the breeze today. You know, I've thanked him a lot this past week. I've gotten tomatoes beyond tomatoes beyond tomatoes. And thank you all that have given me tomatoes. But thank God, thank you for these guys that can grow tomatoes. Be specific. God, thank you. Thank you for. Don't just say thank you for the day. Well, thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for the rain. Man, when our grass was dying. Now it's growing every single week more than it should. Say, so, Lord, thank you for the rain. Like, just be specific. So I'm not saying you got to say that exactly what I said, but just be specific in your prayer life. And we got three minutes. Allow Scripture to focus your prayer. Another practical thought. Allow Scripture to focus your prayer. Some things are meant to be done separately in life, but some things are meant to be done together and they're more profitable together. So is true with your Bible study and your prayer life. Those two things are something that can go together beautifully. If you do one without the other, you're not... What Paul said in Philippians 3.10, you're not growing. You're not knowing him. They go together perfectly. These two things go hand in hand, work together amazingly, can't grow without one or the other. Our prayers need to be fueled by something that Scripture has said. So if it's to be in awe of him, Lord, thank you for what he said in Scripture today. Our prayer life at times should be fueled by the words of God. Then we should also pray the words of God. So where he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God, I'm being specific. This situation at work today. I feel like I am alone witnessing to this person today. I feel like I am by myself. But God, you promised you would never leave me and you would never forsake me. You promised that all power and authority was given unto you in heaven and in earth. So I was to go you therefore and preach the gospel. I'm claiming that today. Pray the verses that you read in scripture. There are times when the you can, in your prayer life, what you read that morning, you can simply just thank him for it. There are times in your prayer life where you have to say, Lord, forgive me because I wasn't living this way. Take, take Romans, for example. So if you're reading through the book of Romans, how can you pray Romans? Come to chapter one. Paul says, I desire to come to Rome and preach the gospel to you that are there also. I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What's he saying? Hey, I'm unashamed of the gospel. So what can your prayer be from Romans chapter 1? Lord, help me today be unashamed of your message and your word. Go to Romans chapter 2 and 3. He's talking about how sinful we are. You read it, it's a picture of us as sinful mankind not seeking after righteousness. So what can we pray there? God, forgive me for being a sinner. But God, thank you for being an amazing Savior. Go to Romans chapter 4, 5, and 6. He's talking about, or 4 and 5, he's talking about justification by faith alone. So he's saying that we as those sinners in chapter 2 and 3 can be saved freely by simple faith in Jesus. How do you pray that? Jesus, thank you. 
that I'm a wicked sinner, but I can come by faith in your name and have salvation for eternal life. Thank you that salvation is freely given from the cross. Chapter 6, 7, and 8, he's talking about sanctification, how we grow in Jesus. How do you pray that? Lord, I've been stumped today. Chapter 7, I've been fighting with sin all day. God, help me not to you know, say that. Help me not to act like that. Help me not to lie in that situation. But God, help me continue to grow in you. You've said that every single day you're conforming me to be like your son. The Spirit is doing that work in me, so help me today do that. Chapters 9, 10, and 11, man, some deep chapters talking about sovereignty and talking about free will and then talking about everything is due to God in chapter eleven thirty six. 36. So how do you do that? What do you pray there? Lord, thank you for your precise plan of salvation. I can't fully comprehend it. No man can fully comprehend it, but you had this plan set in place that would save my soul. So thank you for that. And thank you that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, today I fully acknowledge what this chapter says, that everything in my life, everything in this world, everything is from you, through you, and to you are all things. So therefore, God, today you deserve the glory. If I'm at work, if I'm at the grocery store, you get the glory. You see how you can pray scripture? You can go through books of the Bible and pray it. You can get to chapters 12 through 16 of Romans, and it's those what we are to do chapters. Okay, you're to love your enemy. Whew, God, I'm going to pray today specifically for that person that hurt me. Maybe it was 20 years ago. I'm going to pray for them. God, you help my enemy. See, you're responding to the word and you're praying the word. So these two things go hand in hand and they work together beautifully. As you open scripture, you pray scripture. As you pray, you study scripture. You ask the Lord to speak to you through scripture. So allow scripture to focus your prayer life. Now we sum it all up. We're one minute over. I apologize. What are all these disciplines for? What's the purpose of this class? Why, have you do it? Why, why are you doing this? To be conformed, to be like Jesus. That's it. It's a period on this class to be conformed, to be like Jesus. That's why, it doesn't matter your age, this simple truth. I mean, you've heard to read your Bible your whole life. You've heard to pray your whole life. So why are you sitting in this class? Because your desire, the Holy Spirit's desire for you, is that you were to be conformed every single day to be like Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says, As it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And the verse says, Philippians 3.10, where we conclude, that I may know him. Listen, every day you wake up, every day, that's your mission. Is that you're growing verse by verse, prayer by prayer, to be like Jesus. And it's not going to be fulfilled here on earth. I told you there's this process. It goes from a sinner to a justified saint in Christ, to sanctification where you're growing every day, to glorification to when you're in heaven, you're like Christ. This sanctification process is long and it's slow, but it's ongoing every single day if you're implementing spiritual disciplines. And then finally, when you get to heaven, I heard somebody say it, I think he said it this morning, uh, Pastor Bolton, God doesn't have grandchildren. We're all his children. We all receive the same inheritance in his sight because his goal for your life here on earth is day by day, moment by moment. He's conforming you to become like his son, Christ Jesus. So I hope there's been at least something in these three weeks that you can implement that helps you do just that, that helps you grow slowly but surely every day to become like Christ. There's those papers down front from last week. If we run out, we can print more. Any questions you have, I'd love to answer them. Let's pray, and we're a few minutes over, but you are dismissed. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for these three weeks we've got to study together. Lord, I pray that all of us, including myself, we've learned something that we can apply that we can use in our daily walk with you to grow thereby. 
So Lord, if it's uh, how to study the Bible, Lord, let us just be thrusted into a plan for how to do that. Lord, if it's our prayer life, let us be specific. Let us have the right posture of humility. Let us come in awe of who you are and depending upon you. And Lord, let us just every single day, step by step, moment by moment, grow to be conformed like you, Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that works on the inside of us with this process of sanctification. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for all that you do for us. In your name we do pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.